couple of weeks ago, I don't know if some of you might not have been here, but a, one of the members of our church uh, came up front here and confessed that uh, she had a problem with shoplifting. And uh, she said she knew it was wrong, she was sorry, and she asked her church community, she asked us for help. You know, I've been a, I've been a Christian my whole life, basically. Um, and I think that was the first time I've been in a church where someone had publicly confessed a sin that was also a crime. Okay? Um, I've heard lots of confessions over the years, lots of them. Um, I've heard a lot of people confess that they struggle with pride and anger and envy and greed and a lack of love. And, the, and these are all like really serious things. But mostly they're not crimes. Shoplifting was kind of new territory for me in a church service. And, you know, of course, I told, I told this woman how much I appreciated her courage and her resolve to change and her honesty with us. I thought that was a brave and, and humbling for me to see. But truthfully, there was also a part of me that was a little shocked. I mean, I even knew it was coming, but that was a little bit shocked. And, and of course, I've been thinking about our sister's confession, you know, because here we are, we're preparing a message on the topic of stealing, right? And it occurred to me that I cannot pretend that the reason I was shocked was merely due to the fact that, that she had stolen something. But rather, the reason I was shocked was that she had stolen something in a socially unacceptable way. Okay? So, of course, stealing is always wrong. Um, but I realized pretty quickly as I reflected on it this week, like, stealing is also, like, really common. For instance, this turned out to be kind of an expensive sermon for me because um, I had a pang of conscience as I was preparing it. I sometimes shop on Amazon.com. Can't, can't beat the price. And you know part of the reason you can't beat the price? Amazon doesn't include your sales tax uh, at, the, at the point of sale. 6% off. But of course, just because they don't add it at the point of sale doesn't mean you don't still owe the state of Michigan that money. I mean, I assume you knew that I knew that. Um, uh, you're still supposed to pay sales tax on your Amazon purchases. That's the state's money. Uh, and now I've got to go through, I don't know, probably the last few years of my Amazon purchases and figure out how to cut a check to the state of Michigan for what I owe. Not paying sales tax on your Amazon purchases, that's stealing. And it's, it's stealing no less than slipping a tube of uh, lipstick. Is it a tube of lipstick? Is it a, a tube of lipstick in your purse at Walgreens, you know? Sorry, I was kind of stretching on that illustration. I, anyway, there's another one. Um, I think Spotify has probably bailed a lot of us out on this one, but um, how much of the music on your computer over the last 10 years did you pay for? By the way, I was uh, stealing music online through Napster. Um, 
back in the days of dial-up, which some of you probably can't imagine, but it took me like four hours to steal one Pearl Jam song. Um, and it took us like two weeks to get the whole album. You had to plan it every night after mom and dad had gone to bed because only one phone line. Anyway. Or how many people here share a, an Amazon Prime account with another household? You know, get your fix of their online shows and movies. Share the password. Uh, just because you didn't read the terms of service doesn't make it legal. Right? Well, you know, the state of Michigan, they're just going to waste my taxes anyway. And Amazon's so big, I mean, they're not going to miss my money. As I thought about it, I realized that my shock with our sister's confession a couple weeks ago had a lot less to do with the fact that she stole and more to do with the fact that she stole in a way that was different than how I steal. Which, which really only proves that our powers of justifying our own sin are like almost limitless. Paul says that the one who's been stealing should steal no longer. I was studying a bit about Roman culture in Paul's day, and uh, there's a little bit of evidence that some amount of stealing uh, in those days was considered kind of okay. Uh, like if you were a seasonal worker, maybe you worked in agriculture or construction, it seemed like a lot of people just assumed that you'd steal a bit from other businesses or things like that in the off-season to help make ends meet. It was wrong, of course, but people didn't get too worked up about it. And Paul is saying, I don't care if other people get worked up about it. I don't care if everybody else is doing, doing it. I don't care if it's not a big deal. We're Christians. We live by a different standard. Stop stealing. In Ephesians 4, Paul is illustrating this basic move in the Christian life. When we become Christians, he says in verse 24, we take off this old self and we put on a new self. And it's like you are a whole new person with new values and new priorities and new ethics. When we become Christians, it's not just where we go on Sunday mornings that changes. You're a whole new person. Every part of your life is new. And, and part of this new life means it means uncommon integrity. The world will think you are crazy. I mean, I think what Napster illustrated back when I was, I guess, in high school is that even though very few of us would steal an actual CD from the mall, that's where you used to buy music, um, if, it's, if it's suddenly socially acceptable, if your friends are doing it, like all my friends were doing it, like all of a sudden, even like good Christian folks like switch into this self-justification mode 
It's like, well, you know, I mean, the mall charges like 17 bucks for that CD. You remember when CDs cost that much? It cost 17 bucks for the CD. It's only costing them pennies to produce it. Paul says, no, no, no. Like, like we hold to a high standard. You're a new person. Stop stealing. The message is clear. But for Paul, it actually goes deeper. For Paul, the Christian life has a lot of don'ts in it. Don't do this, don't do that. But the Christian life almost never stops with don't. So there are things you should stop doing. We talked about verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't steal. But see, for a lot of Christians, their faith is, sometimes it's just a list of things not to do. Don't cuss, don't steal, don't get drunk, don't sleep around. It's like, those are, those are good don'ts. But the Christian life isn't just about not doing bad things. <laughs> it's about filling up your life with good things. And so Paul says, yeah, don't, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Sure, like that, that's kind of the minimum. <laughs> right? He says, instead, use your words to build others up. That's what the words are for. <laughs> don't just stop saying nasty things. Like if you're a new person, start saying beautiful things, helpful things, encouraging things. That's what the Christian life is about. It is stop this, but it's also like, Hey, try this. So Paul says the one who's been stealing should steal no longer, but instead, try working. Do something useful with your hands. This is kind of an interesting one, work. Because our culture has kind of a confusing relationship with work. Um, it's a pretty low view of work most of the time. Like, what's happy hour, right? Happy hour is the hour you get out of work. Or uh, TGIF, right? Thank God it's Friday. That's the attitude. We live for the weekend. Our culture often treats work like it's a necessary evil. And even uh, Christians often have a pretty negative view of work. Um, I can remember a conversation with an electrician uh, who found out that he was in a pastor's house, and he said, uh, he said, oh man, you know, I'm a Christian too, and I'd love to work for the church. I'd, I'd love to have a job that actually matters. I'm just stuck here fixing people's wiring. And I get where he's coming from. I'm, I'm not stupid. I mean, the, the, I mean, the beginning of the Bible makes it clear one of the first things that was affected by the fall was work. And so that means there, there's going to be drudgery and uh, unreasonable bosses and bad coffee and, and that new computer system. Like, whose idea was that new computer system? Right? That's all true. But for Christians, work is much more than just a paycheck. When we work, and, and by work, I mean like when we make ourselves useful to other people, like when we, when we use our gifts 
for the benefit of others. It doesn't have to be for pay, right? I mean, it doesn't even have, you don't even have to leave your house to, to do this kind of work, right? But when we make ourselves useful to other people, we are actually living out the image of God in us. It's not the whole image of God, but it, it's part of it. Because right? God is creative, and God is a maker, and God is a doer. And when he created us, the first thing he did, right after he said, hey, these ones, I created them in my image. The very next thing he did, he gave us a garden to work in. When we work, when we use our creativity or our persistence or our diligence or our muscles to help other people, we look a little bit like God. That's the image of God. I think that's why retirement is so hard for a lot of people. I, I think it's why it's important, like even if you lose your job or can't get a job, to find other ways to work. Um, or to help, like even if it's not for pay, like to volunteer or to serve, or, or if you have limitations, like even, even to pray, to intercede for the church and for the world. Like, like a Christian is living into the image of God when they work. That electrician fixing the wiring, like he's living into the image of God, right? He's fixing what's broken. Doesn't that sound like something God would do? So Paul says, not just don't steal, but he says work. And then he goes even a little bit deeper. He says our work should have a goal. I think this is important because I think some people look at this verse um, as like the anti-freeloader verse. right? It's like, don't steal, but get up out of your seat and get a job, right? So you don't have to be such a, like a burden on the rest of us. That's not the reason he tells us to work. I know a lot of people use this verse that way. That's not the reason he tells us to work. He tells us to work so that we may have something to share with those in need. Our work should never be just about providing for ourselves or paying my bills. Okay, that's part of it. It's an important part of it. But work can be at its best, Paul says, because work creates opportunities to be generous. See, for Paul, stop stealing is really just the beginning. Paul is aiming at generosity. So in addiction recovery groups, uh, like uh, like AA, stuff like that. There's an image people sometimes use. I've mentioned it before. They say you got to feed the good tiger. Okay? Uh, the idea is we got two tigers living in us. Um, one is craving a drink or drugs or sex or food. And, and every time we feed that tiger, it gets stronger. And it's more likely to win the next battle. Meanwhile, the other tiger, the good tiger, the new life tiger, it's not getting fed. It's getting smaller and weaker. And so they point out, you will never be successful in recovery if the only thing you do is stop feeding the bad tiger. Right? You need to also feed the good one. 
Paul wants us to stop feeding the tiger of self-justification we use to defend our stealing or our corner cutting. And instead, he wants us to feed the generosity tiger. I've said this before about generosity. If you have anxiety about money, and I do, if you have anxiety about money, saving more of it probably won't help. Okay? Getting a better paying job also probably won't help. If you have anxiety about money, pray about it and find ways to give it away. Start with one or two or ten percent off the top. Find people and causes that are worthwhile and give it away. I know it sounds crazy, but you will be feeding the good tiger. And the bad one will get weaker and small. All right, last thing. To whom should we be generous? To our peers, to our friends, to our family. Paul says, work so that you may have something to share with those in need. And already, some of our defenses go up. A lot of reasons not to give to somebody we perceive as being in need, right? First of all, it's my money, right? I worked for it. I worked hard for it. It belongs to me. Second, they don't deserve it. If they deserved it, they'd have it, right? They're freeloaders. Third, they'll they'll abuse it. They won't appreciate it. They're just going to waste it. we got a lot of reasons to be stingy with our money. But I was reading what a preacher named uh, Robert Murray McShane once said in the 1830s in Scotland. And he asked his congregation to imagine if God had used all those excuses with you. What if Jesus said, well, first of all, this blood is mine belongs to me. I'm not just going to give it away to anybody. Wouldn't he have been justified in saying that? Or, Or second, right? These people don't deserve it. I mean, how many people have been offered the blood of Jesus and they've mocked him to his face? How many of us have done that? Or third, they'll abuse my grace, right? They're going to make a mockery of my generosity. They're going to waste it. Would these not have been fair things for Jesus to say? I think the best thing that ever happened to us was the day that Jesus looked at all the perfectly good and legitimate reasons not to save us. We didn't deserve it, how we'll squander it, why we can't be trusted. The best thing that ever happened to us was the day Jesus looked at all those reasons and decided he'd go ahead and die for us anyway. (laughs) That's the good news. That's the gospel. That is a good day. So Paul will end up summarizing this whole chapter of ethics with uh, the first verse of chapter 5. He says, Be imitators of God 
Look at all the reasons not to help those in need. Go ahead, write them out. Look at them all. Refine them. And imitate God. And be generous anyway. Live a life of love, Paul says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. All right, let's pray together.